Well, you know what feels better than getting some good news? It's getting some good news that you have been long expecting is long overdue and you'd pretty much given up on and nevertheless, here it comes anyway. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. And gentlemen, I saw something that I've been waiting for for years and years and years. Um, and I think it's long overdue, but nevertheless, better late than never. Uh, 160 flag officers, all retired, these would be generals and admirals of the United States military, have written a letter to Congress explaining in a very succinct person, uh, in very succinct fashion why these DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion things need to be removed from the military immediately and without, without any nonsense, just got to go. Um, they wrote a letter, which is actually, as I say, pretty succinct, but I've, I've, I've boiled it down to four paragraphs from the letter that I'd like to just read to you guys real quick and read to the audience because this is what these 160, I'm just looking down the list, Major General, Major General, Brigadier General, Major General, Major, 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 Major General, Rear Admiral, what these flag officers have to say. This is a condensed version. We respectfully request that Congress, pursuant to its constitutional powers to raise and support armies and to provide and maintain a Navy, take legislative action to remove all diversity, equity, and inclusion DEI programs from the Department of Defense. Additionally, we ask that you ensure that no DEI-related policies, programs, and funding are included in the 2024 National Defense Authorization Act. If not stopped now, they will forever change the military's warrior ethos essential to performing its mission of deterring aggression and failing that to fight and win our nation's wars. Our military must be laser-focused on one mission, readiness, undiminished by the culture war engulfing our country. This one is the one that really nails it. Meritocracy is essential for winning. In professional sports where the mission is to win games, the best players are fielded to win no matter their skin color. If meritocracy is used in sports where the consequences of losing a game is minor, why is it not essential in the military where the worst case consequences of losing a major war are unimaginable losses of life, destruction, and perhaps our nation? And they close with this. DEI poses a grave danger to our military warfighting ethos and is degrading warfighting readiness. Social engineering, commonly called wokeism, has no place in our military. China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea are not distracted by DEI programs. No doubt they are watching us. Equal opportunity and merit-based performance have been battle-tested for generations and proven essential for success. DEI policies and practices must be eliminated from the DOD to protect our critical warfighting readiness. Respectfully submitted 160 flag officers of the United States, every one of them retired. Makes me wonder, Steve, how many currently serving flag officers also feel this way, although I will grant them that it is, in my opinion, inappropriate for a serving officer to comment on, on political yes. matters, which you might want to pass yeah. on to General Milley, by the way. But in any event, I can understand why they're remaining silent. I don't think they're remaining silent out of a sense of, of cowardice or certainly not out of a sense of seeing it. I think they're remaining silent because they appreciate that a civilian-run military is a, is a military where the, where the generals keep their political opinions to themselves. Do you think this is... Do you think that this attitude is as widespread through the military, this good attitude, mind you, as it appears to be? Do you think most of the flag officers out there now serving Steve who are not able to sign this letter feel the same way as these retired flag officers do? 
I don't know. Uh, yeah. There was such a, a purge of conservative officers under uh, Barack Obama that uh, I don't know how many are left in the military, whether it's uh, Army, Air Force, Navy, or Marines, um, and now the, now the Space Force. Um, they, I mean, they, Obama really did a number to our, yes, to our officer did. corps, and that's that's how the the woke stuff and the DEI stuff got in in the first place. Is the people who were supposed to be protecting the military against it were uh, were, were embracing it instead? Uh, my real hope lies with the uh, with the enlisted men who, uh, to, well, to put this in uh, uh, military speak, when they're at- Required to uh, attend one of these re-education sessions or whatever they're called, are you know whenever the uh, whenever the instructor has his back turn or doing this gesture. Uh, I've got a lot more faith in our in our enlisted folks right now than I do in our officers, and that's uh, that that's our saving grace. Actually, we have two saving graces. There's a, uh, a wonderful book. It's one of my favorite fictional war novels ever written. It's called uh, Red Army. It's written by Ralph Peters at the tail end of the Cold War. And he took Tom Clancy and kind of turned it on his head in a couple of ways. Uh, Ralph Peters writes a lot about military stuff, but um, he's uh, much closer to literature than to uh, than to techno thriller. He's just a very, very talented writer mm-hmm. in that way. And Red Army is World War Three in Europe, you know, the battle for, for Germany. And it's told entirely from the perspective of Soviet characters. There is there is not a Westerner to be seen in this book. It's just it's very well done. And there's a scene in the beginning of the book where this old artillery officer is uh, get, getting a, a, a list of complaints from one of the younger captains, looking at the, the the firing orders that they have. This is on the eve of battle, and it's just. It's just with the with the with the supplies and the norms and the rate of fire, there's no way we can we can fire all these missions. It's physically impossible. I've done the numbers, and the the old officer says, "Well, we'll do the best we can." And this guy's, the young officer says, "Well, no, we've got to stick to the plan. We've got to stick to the rules." And the old guy leans in very close and says, "Let me tell you a secret. Wars aren't won by the most competent army. They're won by the least incompetent army." And this is this is the thing that I try to remember, because uh, our flag officers, who, by the way, that letter is beautiful. Uh, I endorse every single word in it, and thank God for these these men and women who signed it. Um, our potential adversaries, we've seen what the Russian leadership is like in this stupid war in Ukraine. Um, it's it's divided, it's politicized. Um, just bad people get promoted. And I don't mean bad people. I mean not competent people have been promoted again and again and again. Uh, there's a lot of chair shuffling to make up, there to, to cover up the fact that things have not gone well on the ground. I saw a map today of Russian gains over the last five months, and you actually have to squint at the map to see them. And 100,000 casualties just in Bakhmut in the, last, in the last five months. So that is not a competent military because it is heavily politicized. And the same is probably true in China because this is the nature of, of communist countries, of authoritarian countries. And we are heading down that path. We've been heading down that path for a while now. But what lets me sleep soundly at night about it is I think there's still, hopefully, enough meritocracy left in our military that we are less incompetent than they are. Uh, Scott, when you see something like this, it's basically... 160 of the of the top 
ranking officers. I mean, this is 160 flag officers that would be general and admiral above. The number of field officers, colonels, majors, and so on, this list would be tens of thousands of names long. If, if anyone had been saying this about any other subject, if they had written that we are deeply concerned about Donald Trump or something, this would be national news. We'd never hear the end of it. We're, we're deeply concerned about about uh, Americans owning guns and so on. Any Anything like that. This thing was completely buried. But the thing that concerns me the most, Scott, is that I've always felt that the that the United States military was the best defense of our country, not just externally, but internally as well, because as a societal segment, it seems to me that they by far are carrying the torch of a belief in freedom, that liberty is worth dying for, that, that all of these foundational principles matter. They take an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States of America. They usually have some idea what that means. And yet you see now the new advertisement for recruiting. Uh, there's a famous one with the Army that animated one about this woman who had two moms and they, they were both out there in the street protesting and that's why I'm a Patriot missile officer and Navy recently used one to use a, a drag queen who's on one of the uh, one of our active duty vessels as, as a means of recruiting people. And I want to say to myself, Scott, who are you trying to recruit with this and how many people are you actually getting? Well, I know that the military has had some, they always have recruiting challenges, uh, especially if you're in a time where, you know, there's no military draft, it's an all volunteer army. And uh, depending on what's going on in the world, it may be more or less difficult uh, to recruit somebody. It's a big ask um, to have somebody sign up to put their life on the line. And in fact, I just saw a video uh, produced by a, a British news source, but it was about an American military um, program because of the challenge to meet recruiting numbers. Uh, one of the things that knocks out a lot of potential recruits are two things actually. Number one is they don't meet the minimum fitness standards to get into the military. Yep. And number two is they don't meet the minimum educational standards to get into the military. And so the military has actually set up um, at a particular fort, they have this whole program. It's a preparatory program that's basically designed designed to get you ready for boot camp. And uh, one set of uh, soldiers is going through this process of basically getting in shape. So they're losing weight and they're, you know, so all day long they come out and they do exercise. They are served very nutritious meals. Um, and, I, and I actually like the way they do it. In the cafeteria, you have a choice of what to eat. And they mark the different kinds of foods with green, yellow, or red placards, depending on their, their a nutritional value to you and so you can choose anything you want it's actually against army rules to force you to pick a particular diet so you can actually choose your diet they're giving those they're helping them develop the ability to choose well anyway so these people go out and bust their butts and lose weight and then go to boot camp um, and there's another branch of that group uh, that is trying to get people uh, intellectually prepared so that they can pass the basic test to get into boot camp um, I'm all for that. The challenge comes uh, when you start making this so that um, the main concern for somebody who's going to be recruited in the military, somehow we think now, is, is whether they're going to get a leg up because of their you know, color or their sex or their sexual identity or whatever, like they feel like they deserve that or something. 
And I don't think most people who want to sign up for the military are thinking that way, no matter what their color or sex is. Uh, in fact, uh, as a percentage of women in the military, um, black women are like 28, 29%. Uh, so they're way out of proportion to their numbers in the population. It's not as high uh, for black men, but they're still out of proportion. Uh, Latinos are a very high percentage of them serving in the U.S. military. And I think we insult all of them when we make this, uh, you know, have uh, pr uh, preferential programs that are designed to move people into positions that their merit does not qualify them for. Um, and that, it's, it's not only a danger to national security, but it's an insult to the soldier or the Marine or the seaman. I mean, these are people who are willing to risk their lives and they didn't come there for diversity training. So I hope that some of these generals are listened to. I know immediately, like, I just know the, the left and I know the people who are on this side. They will immediately say, well, 160 is nothing compared to the number of living flag officers, uh, retired flag officers out there. So, you know, this is just a small proportion of these people, the bigots, mind you, uh, the, the small-minded ones who have written this letter. But I think we need to have at least an open debate about that IT, idea of a military that provides equal opportunity and performance, uh, and, and uh, ascent through the rank based on merit. Um, now, if there's, if there's overt discrimination or covert discrimination, frankly, in the military, if they are doing something to restrain people uh, who, of a sex or a color or whatever from advancement, that's a problem. And that should be taken care of by a normal process of procedures and policies and justice but not through this thing where we feel like we're gonna give you a leg up because we don't think you can handle it without that. Um, I, I, hope that they, I hope that they listen to these people. Um, I doubt that they will. The first thing that happens to people when they're inducted into the military is, uh, and the first thing that happens to them in boot camp is they're all, they all have their heads shaped. And the reason they do that primarily is to remind them that they are no longer individuals, that they are now simply part of this particular platoon or whatever the case may be. And that destruction of their individual identity is a huge part of this. But what it essentially does is it does level the playing field. The, the military traditionally has seen one color and that's green. That's it. That's who we are. And when I think about things like Operation Bolo, the greatest single day in the history of the United States Air Force, this operation was planned by the all-time greatest fighter pilot who ever lived named Robin Olds and his um, whose buddy who was also one of the all-time greater fighter pilots who ever lived, a guy named Chappie James, who was the first black man to become a major general in the uh, United States Armed Forces. And when these two guys, Robin Olds and Chappie James, were working together planning Bolo, they spent so much time working together that, that their friends called them Black Man and Robin. And and this is this is why- <laughs> I never heard that. This is why Operation Bolo, as one single example, was so spectacularly successful, was because they were taking the best ideas from the best people and applying them in a disciplined fashion. And that's why we end up with the military that we that we used to have. I don't see any possible justification for filling an arbitrary number with people who don't want to be there or who don't love this country. I can deal, I can work with, if I was in charge of recruiting, I, I could work with them if their brains aren't up to speed. I could work with them if their muscles aren't up to speed. I want to know where their hearts are. That's what I want to know. If their hearts are in the right place, then we will find a way to make these people capable and competent and confident and patriotic members of the most lethal military in the history of the world. 
But look, it, if I had a choice between, we, we are so badly understaffed in the Navy as one example. We need so many more ships than we actually have. But if I had to reduce, if I had a choice of either inflating the numbers needed to run a 400 ship Navy or get a get the people who really wanted to be there and love this country into a 200 ship Navy, I'd rather have a smaller number of lethal units than a larger number of essentially combat ineffective ones. It's just that simple. The, Targets. Yes, yeah. exactly. And they just consume resources and they slow down the warfighters. There is no greater merit, meritocracy than than combat. When you, this goes back to the Civil War, when your life has been saved, if you could be the biggest bigot you want to in, in the Union Army, and when you see the uh, 54th Massachusetts going into battle, and these, these men from that unit come back out, they're not black people anymore, and they're certainly not N-words. They're, they're guys who, who took bullets that were meant for you, and the only antidote to prejudice is excellence. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. And just the fact that this letter finally arrived is encouraging to me because the silence on the part of military officers, especially the silence on the part of former FBI agents, former CIA agents, former IRS agents, people who had that job and did those jobs with honor and integrity, watching their organizations become corrupted and not saying anything, that is not the kind of cap you want on a career that's been performed honorably and 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 with the gratitude of the nation if you see these kind of things destroying the institutions that you work for you have an obligation to speak up about it and the best way to do it is to get together and put together a list of the the, the pdf for this letter is six pages long and i thought man it's going to be a complicated letter the letter is about a page and a half and the other four and a half pages are the signatures of the flag officers who've dedicated their lives to this country, endorsing the, this idea that we'd better get rid of this very quickly because if we don't, it's going to be much more effective way to defang our military than any number of Chinese surface-to-air missiles or Russian torpedoes or anything else like that. Let's keep it what it is. Let's keep it the, 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 the fundamental bastion of American pride and competence and patriotism and more important than the weapons they wield are the values that they hold and if we can't count on them anymore then we are in very 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 serious trouble and i don't i don't suspect that we are in that kind of trouble for a minute for steve green and scott Ott, i'm bill whittle thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time right here on right angle